Hello and welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Olivia. I'm sitting here with Sarah. Hello. And our guest today is Claire Zorn. Welcome, Hello. Claire. Thank you. Good to be here. Oh, we're so it's happy so to nice have you. Yeah. <laughs> so you're here today um, to talk about your new book, um, which is a picture book called No Place for an Octopus. So tell us a little bit about, about your book. Uh, so, yeah, it's for uh, early uh, readers, early childhood I don't know what the category is. Should I start that again? No, no. Oh, picture gosh. books, I think, are hard to define. <laughs> we can, I mean, if I mean yeah. <laughs> it's a picture book. There are words and there are pictures. <laughs> um, it's probably for about uh, preschool, early primary, yeah. um, as are most picture books. Um, and it's about a little boy who goes to the beach and is exploring rock pools and finds an octopus. And he um, considers taking the octopus home because he's not sure if the octopus is happy where it's living. Um, and he thinks about all the fun things that they could do together, um, adventures and games and all that kind of stuff and going on roller coasters. The octopus isn't really into that. Um, and then he decides... <laughs> he decides Too many arms. <laughs> <laughs> Too many Oh, it was fun to draw, I tell you what. Um, yeah, and he decides that the octopus is probably best left in the rock pool. Is that a spoiler? I don't want to provide. No, I, <laughs> I don't want to ruin the ending. The title, no place for an octopus. <laughs> I mean, so many of our listeners are five-year-olds, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like drats. Why the parents are like, no, don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> he stays in the rock pool. I ruin the mystery. <laughs> no, it's such a beautiful idea because who hasn't been a kid? wandering around the rock pools and looked at an octopus and thought, they would make a great pet. And then yeah. your mum comes along and is like, no, Liv, don't, don't do it that. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it might the, be a blue ring. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> tricky, isn't it? I had to be sure that he never touched the octopus. <laughs> Very true. Look, I will say that being a kid, I thought blue ringed octopuses were going to be a much bigger problem in my life than they actually ended up being. So... Yeah, I actually, I don't know if I have ever seen an octopus in the wild. I feel sad yeah, about that. Yeah, I saw one cool. after I'd kind of, oh, I was really close to finishing the book. Um, and I finally saw one in the wild. I saw multiple, actually. Um, they don't like to live together. They're fairly solitary. Oh. Um, but I saw a few in different rock pools, like they were neighbours. And, and a blue rings one as well. It was beautiful. I can see why <laughs> people might want to pick it up. Yeah. Bad idea. That's the idea <laughs> of the rings, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so is this something that you always wanted to do, you always wanted to do a picture book yes. or did it just come about? Okay. Absolutely. So tell us about that. <laughs> oh, gosh. More than anything, like other than being an Olympic show jumper. I mean, who doesn't want to? Oh, yeah. Well, you have to have got Ride a horse for a jump. <laughs> I assume you're working on that one on the side. <laughs> yeah, right? that's it's my side project. <laughs> I have a writing lesson this afternoon, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, since I was quite young, because it just seemed like the ultimate. Like I yeah. loved drawing. That was my my main thing that I loved and I loved writing stories. So it just seemed like the ultimate job. Um, and yeah. is this, is your process here watercolour? Yeah, yeah, it's pencil and watercolour. It's just beautiful. Thank you. Stunning. And so whimsical. As you go through all of the things the little boy imagines doing with the octopus, some of them are, like, hilarious. Delightful. <laughs> <laughs> I 
It was fun to think of all those things <laughs> and to imagine the octopus in all these different situations. Yeah, it was quite fun. Yeah. So was there any challenge to um, writing and illustrating a picture book that you hadn't anticipated? Uh, yeah, I kind of, because I, I drew more than I used to write um, as I was growing up and I did fine art at university, but then I kind of stopped because I was fo- focusing on writing. Uh, so I didn't draw for ages. Um, and I thought that it was just something that once you, like if you were a good drawer, you were a good drawer. You didn't have to practice. <laughs> I was wrong. So <laughs> I sat down to begin and I was like, I can't do this. This wow. is not going to work. Um, and I actually had to build up skills again. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't something that I expected at all. So yeah. how, did you take classes? or No, I just practiced a lot I just drew a lot um and tried not to get discouraged because I think I knew that I could do it I knew that the skill was there that I had the ability I was just out of practice yeah yeah and I hadn't worked with um watercolor before so my you wouldn't know it from thank you (laughs) I watched a lot of YouTube (laughs) YouTube's amazing honestly I don't know how anyone did anything before YouTube (laughs) yeah so I had to kind of teach myself to use watercolor as well so cool so my my next question I guess is why octopus because they kind of creep me out a little they are pretty creepy yeah Yeah. and when you see them move they move like no other animal like Mm. there's no I've never seen an animal that moves that way it's a little bit like a snake but it's like eight They're snakes everywhere. joined yeah. together, <laughs> and they can which is horrifying. The tiniest cracks. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if anyone's seen that video of there was some deep sea fishing trawler, and there was this octopus they hauled on board, mm-hmm. and it just escaped and just yeah, like, slithered across the, da- yeah. the deck, and just this tiny crack. Yeah, this was a, like a full sized yeah. octopus, and just slid yeah. out into the sea. It was the creepiest, but also the most yeah. awesome thing I'd ever seen in my life. Yeah, they're amazing. Like they move so fast, and they can just yeah, fit through these tiny, tiny little spaces that you would never, you know, think that it was possible yeah. to do that. Yeah. They're yeah. oddly beautiful. They are. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of think they're fascinating. Like, that's so bizarre. And we don't know a lot about them. And everything, uh, every new thing that gets discovered about them makes them seem just more and more extraordinary. Um, I read recently that They've discovered that the like the neurons, um, which are like the connecting parts of your brain that send signals um, through your brain, they have neurons through their arms as well. So they are essentially like a brain, like they're just a brain. <laughs> they're a brain with arms. <laughs> they're an armed brain. Um, which oh, how does that work? That's and they can really all cool. they can. And so they can all move um, independently. Independently, so it's wow. almost like they're multiple brains connected. Opposable. Yeah. Arms. Yeah. Oh my god. That's but amazing. so, and they think that they're the closest. So, if you were to imagine an alien creature, they're kind of the most accurate um, thing that you can think of because they've um, evolved completely separately to any other animal. So they're that's quite so extraordinary. Yeah. 
And there are potentially like huge giant ones out there that we don't even know. Yeah, there are. (laughs) I refuse to believe the Kraken is not real. Yeah, (gasps) no, absolutely. Like it is out there. Um, Yeah, and they're they're so smart and quirky. So Mm. they are – sorry, I know a lot about octopuses now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, They're one of the few animals that they're planners. So you don't get a lot of animals that – plan ahead so you get birds that build nests and things but they kind of think that that's more um like a like a learned behavior so they see a a, um an adult bird who you know does this and they learn from it whereas octopuses when they're born they're not they're kind of out on their own they don't have a parent um so they kind of teach themselves by um experience so they've found that they um there's some octopuses, and it doesn't seem to matter, like on species, like a um, variety of octopus, there are some um, that they collect, like coconut shells. I don't know if you've seen this. No. I haven't but seen where this. Where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> and they wear them as hats. No, no, they don't. <laughs> they use them for accessories. No. Why don't they No, like elbow pads. They ride around in them like boats. No, no. They... Um, <laughs> You can see how I wrote yes. a book about this. I was going to ask you, like, so what came first, the idea, like the octopus or the illustration? No, or the no, it's just jokes mainly. <laughs> um, no, they carry them around and then use them to hide under. So if oh, a predator really comes smart. along, they hide under it. Oh, my God. Do they but, not wonder what a coconut's doing in the middle of the ocean? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just so hung up on this. So it's, yes, they, the shark is like, that's out of place. <laughs> I wonder what's underneath it. <laughs> no, no. And it's like, like it's... <laughs> it's not a whole coconut either. So <laughs> they don't have like a saw with them. <laughs> they go to Bunnings, they buy a saw, <laughs> and they carry it with them. <laughs> and they have a whole collection oh of half coconut shells. And I'm actually crying. <laughs> yeah, no, they find them and decide whether they're suitable or not. <laughs> this is amazing. I have never heard this yeah, before. Yeah, they, they are fascinating. If you had asked me before this podcast, what is the connection between a coconut and an octopus, I would have said zero. No, there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, they, yeah, they're really into coconut shells. They, they like to collect things. Um, so there's all sorts of pictures of them um, just finding junk, like in the ocean, rubbish, yeah. and just using it for, oh, I'll use this um, plastic bottle to... I can get in it, I can roll around in it, and then I can get out again. Like, they're, they're the original recyclers. For octopuses as, like, loner alien yeah. strategists. That's what they are. <laughs> yeah. And there's wonderful stories of them escaping as well. So they're very difficult to keep in captivity because um, they get bored. So they're like a dog. You wouldn't yeah. think an octopus is like a dog, but because they're so intelligent, they get bored. Um so the problem with keeping them in captivity, this is why you can't see them in many aquariums, is because they um, just dismantle the aquarium. So and get out. Yeah. And so they work out where the pump insane. is. Exactly like in Finding Dory. Exactly. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Don't spoil it for me. Okay, Based on true alert facts. for Finding Dory, yes. which came out several years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Don't throw shade on me like this. We're here to talk about the book. Yeah, sorry. I've gone off topic. But what a topic. So this passion for octopuses has has brought (laughs) us this amazing book. It's octopuses. Octopi? No, so they're all valid. Um, I was going to Google this before. (laughs) Yeah, so my editor and I uh, went through a little bit of this because I needed to find out the right way to talk about them. Um, 
And it seems that they're all valid, although okay. it's a little bit um, out of fashion now <laughs> to talk about octopi. Interesting. The main one is yeah. octopuses, but then you could have octopodes as well. Oh, yeah. I like that. Octopode. Yeah. They refuse to be defined. Yeah. So, yeah, so if it's passion for octopodes, you. because that's fun to say. <laughs> it is fun to say, yeah. Um, has brought us this amazing book. Are you working on another – are you allowed to talk about if you're working on another picture book now? Yeah, I'm – well, I'm very busy at the moment because um, I've just finished another YA. <gasps> we haven't even spoken about your YA books yeah, yet. Yeah, so we can merge into that <laughs> soon. Um, yeah, I've just finished another YA uh, and – so I've just I'm kind of in the editing stage of that. Uh-huh. So at the moment I'm having a lot of ideas, but I don't really have the time at the moment to do anything with them. But I've but got they're cooking. Yeah, I've got like I've had four, um, so I need to make some decisions about that. It's so much more fun. Like <laughs> picture books are just more fun. Time wise, what takes longer? Because I honestly wouldn't mm. know. Yeah. Those illustrations to me seem like they would take – it would take mm. me forever. Yeah, I yeah. never do it. <laughs> Sometimes. I don't know. There was uh, – by the time, like, towards the end, I was way faster. Uh-huh. Um, so the first ones that I did would take me days and days. But by the time, uh, kind of towards the end of the process, like when I was doing the last illustrations, I was way faster. Um, so time-wise, I think it's probably about the same – Okay. For me, but uh, yeah, my writing speed tends to vary a lot as well. So, yeah, because yeah, like there's that idea that it would be easier because oh no, there's like so many less words, but it's like you oh can get so goodness. much story into one yeah. simple sentence. No, yeah. that yeah. is gonna, not easy. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a bit of a misconception about picture books. But like when you've got you know sixty thousand words, which is around a YA length, um, you're thinking about it in terms of chapters and scenes. Um, paragraphs whereas this picture books you're thinking about each individual word and when you're doing the editing it's like do we want to keep this word or do we want to slot in another word um and it becomes really fiddly and also angst ridden mm. I mean I'm angst ridden generally but <laughs> <laughs> but you yeah you find yourself thinking about one particular word for a long time and whether that word is right. And even when I'm reading it now, there are some words that I'm like, oh, I don't know, but I think it kind of works. Yeah. I mean, I it think helps, it works yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> there was no words and I was like, why did Thank they use you. Okay. <laughs> Whereas, you know, with a, with a YA novel, you're not going through it and think, oh, that word there, that Imagine. is the wrong word in that chapter. Like, that doesn't happen. Imagine yeah, think doing bigger. that in every sentence. In Maybe a... there are people that do. I don't know. Probably. Probably. There are some weirdos out there. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing weirdos. We appreciate you. Thank you. Um, yeah, talented weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> Which are the best kind, really. Yeah. <laughs> of course they are. Uh, so, to talk about your previous books, um, how long has it been now since your first book was published? Uh, so, the first way novel was um, The Sky So Heavy and that was published in 2013. Yeah. And I, I always get so excited when I hear about um, authors who've had these amazing careers as yourself, winning awards. Um, 
who started as a slush pile pick. Ah, yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Hey. It's like this diamond in the rough type yeah. story that's just so cool yeah. to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So what was that like? Um, yeah. I I think UQP put out a call for submissions, which never happens. Um, that is really, really rare. They were looking to expand their YA list. Um, and so they were looking for people. And I I'd actually submitted to them before that. So um, I knew uh, the publisher there from a previous life when I was working as a publishing assistant, not at UQP, but at another publisher. Um, and she was, I got along really well with her and she was always like, send me your stuff, I'll read it, you know. And so I'd sent her The Sky So Heavy before um, and it was nowhere near ready. Um, and so I got the, you know, the formal, um, the formal letter that says, thank you, but no thanks. Um, and I also got like a kind message from her as well. Uh, so I had submitted to them before and been rejected, um, them and like a zillion others. <laughs> and then they put out a call for manuscripts and I submitted the protected. So, which was my second oh. novel, um, and that one sat in the slush pile for a little while. And then it was like, because <laughs> it happened to Wei Chim at the same time. Oh, right. Yeah, so we were both slush pile neighbours. Um, <laughs> and it became, this is the great part, it became a, well, it's sad as well, I suppose. It became a literal slush pile because then the floods happened oh. in Brisbane. So oh. it's not funny. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. But no, as a writer, I, that's amazing. I, I, <laughs> It's a pun and I can never not laugh There's at poetry that. in that. Poetry in that. <laughs> it's also a dramatic event, you know, and writers love those. Um, yeah, so it, it was. So it became slush. It was li- like <laughs> they had to leave the office. So what I understand is that, yeah, that they were left um, and then they came back to them much later on and went through them. And they by that time I had an agent. And they um, contacted my agent. And again, like the protected was about 26,000 words and it wasn't done. Yeah. Um, but my agent then was like, you know, concurrently to that, I'd kept on working on The Sky So Heavy. Um, so she was like, read this one in, in the meantime. So, yeah. So they picked up The Sky So Heavy and said, after that, we'll do the protected when it's ready. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. It is very, very cool. cool. Sorry. Yeah. And the sky is so heavy, which if it was published in 2013, you were writing uh, before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, ha- ha- deals with, uh, I guess you could say, because it's been a few years since I read it, but when you were coming in, I started thinking about that book and thinking I need to reread it because I think it would be even more... It's a bit scary p- yeah. to me now. Dealing yeah. with climate change and yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, asylum seekers. And yeah. It started like, off with the asylum seeker. That was one of the first seeds of the story. Mm. Um, there was also my um, fascination with the concept of a nuclear winter, yeah. which was like something I was very scared of but also found interesting. Um. Yeah, but I, as I was writing it, so as the process was happening, climate change started to come on the kind of as part of the consciousness um, of 
our world. And so that kind of fitted in as well because it was like a reverse climate change Mm -hmm. um, and that everything gets very cold. Again, because of the stupidity of humans. Yes. There's so much material to write about when you consider the stupidity (laughs) of humans. That was a fun. And the cleverness of octopods. <laughs> yeah, that's right. My goodness. <laughs> that was my favorite. And what I, I, I was reading The Sky So Heavy recently. I had to reread it, which is a horrifying experience. But um, I was reading it and there was a joke in there about octopuses. Yeah. They've been there from the beginning subconsciously. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's, that's I've been thinking the about them for a long time. <laughs> and also I realised that so – when my husband and I got married at our wedding, you know, when you have the, the song when you walk out, of that, like there's a yeah, funny, like yeah. a cool song that plays and the bride and groom walk out of the Freshly place, married. Freshly married. <laughs> um, we had Octopus's Garden. Oh, wow. So that was more my pick than his. I think he was like, oh, all right. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Odd but fun. <laughs> It's memorable. So, yeah. It's the first time I've heard of that song being used as like yeah, a no. march out. <laughs> We're going to live like octopuses <laughs> in the sea. It's not, you know, most couples' ambition in life. Maybe it should be. Maybe. It'd be better off. Well, the octopus is clearly a very intelligent creature. That's right. That's right. That's what you want. Who yeah. will one day take over the world. Yeah. You cannot oh, go down another. For sure. No, they are just waiting, I reckon. They're yeah. just waiting for their time. Mm, truly. Yeah. Those really big ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, and you're also a CBCA Book of the Year winner. Like 2015 and 2017, was it? Yeah. That's pretty amazing. That was yeah. pretty nice. Cool. That was a nice thing to happen. Yeah. Okay. Did you find that that increases the pressure for your writing or do you f- find that it's given you more freedom to be creative? Um, I think it's given me confidence, which I think when you're a, a creative person, that can be the – that's like your um, Achilles heel, to use a um, cliché. And I apologise for the cliché. I am a writer and we should steer clear. But – in that instance, it, it's the thing, like lack of confidence can just bring you undone so you don't write anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really normal. I think that's how you do, um, that's how you write well and um, make good work is that you always trying to make it as good as it can be. Um, but that can be kind of crippling when you think that it's not good enough. So what the awards kind of did for me was just reassured me that, you can actually do this. Mm. You're good at it um, and you can do it. Just hang in there and keep going. Yeah, so that was mainly what those did for me, yeah. Because a bunch of people got together and decided that yeah. you're so good at it. Yeah, they, <laughs> they, gave, you a, yeah, they gave me a medal. <laughs> like it's actual – like so the CBCA <laughs> thing is really cool because they give you an actual medal. Yeah. And you've got two. I've very got cool. two. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, so they're pretty cool. Yeah. They don't give you a like a ribbon though, so you can't wear it around your neck. There's mm. nothing probably to stop you though. I know. <laughs> I know. When my son was three, he called it my coin and he Aww. would go into the study and say, I've got your coin and then run around the house while I tried to get the precious coin off him. <laughs> that seems very in the spirit for the C B C A though. Oh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> he really took ownership. <laughs> I love that. So, um, in terms of like writing inspiration like what are some of your favorite books that have come to bear on the way you write or maybe your plots and characters and themes yeah um I think that I like 
I always, this is going to sound odd when I'm written about, you know, the end of the world. I always like humour. I have a, there's a tone that I like to kind of capture that's in the books that I like to read, kind of a a wry, sometimes sarcastic tone um, when writing about serious kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, my favourite writers that I, you know, those people that it doesn't matter, you don't have to read the blurb, you just automatic buy, get yeah. the book, yeah. go to, um, is Kate Atkinson. She's got to be my yeah. top pick. Yeah. I think she's one of the most underrated as far as she should just be top kind of of the pile all the time in my yeah. opinion. You get the sense she just keeps her head down and just yeah. does her thing and it's yeah. amazing every time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, she can write about stuff that's really intense. Like she's got a lot of books that are about horrible crimes. Mm. Um, but she does it in this way that she she has this tone that is at times quite quirky um, and brings a lightness to it that kind of makes it bearable. Yeah. Um, so I think she's actually up there for me. Yeah, yeah. That's a good fave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I tend to go blank on this one as well when it's people really say, hard. what are your yeah. favourite books? That's why we come at the question sideways. We're like, yeah. what might have inspired you? Yeah. Or inspired you? We're really yeah. asking what you, what's your favourite book? And right? what are the question. other ones? Because like, it's, you know, you kind of think, what are the books that I read that I read more than once? Yeah. And there's yeah. not many for me. Um, the only ones that I've read more than once, I think, that are on my shelf are um, looking for Ali Brandy, yeah, which is pretty dorky to say these days. Not because no. it's—I mean, it's an excellent book, but it's kind of predictable for me to say that. Is it? I don't know. I worry that there's an eye roll. No, everyone has. No. Everyone has a looking for Ali Brandy I'm story. I'm devoted book, to her, and that was the first book I was of devoted to that book, and I still yeah. remember what my f- chapter ten. My favourite chapter, <laughs> my favourite scenes. And I can still picture them so clearly in my head. My um, sister wouldn't let me read it. She oh, got very possessive about her books really? and that was her book. Wow. Yeah. Did you sneak it? Like, did you nick it? I tried. She caught me. Oh, wow. This is Gosh. a travesty. That's a horrible story. So I've never actually read it, but like I watched what? the movie. Still about I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Goodness. <laughs> I've watched the movie like a I million times. Oh, I will bring it. I know it's not the same. to you tomorrow. Um, yeah. Okay. okay. All right, we'll rectify that. (laughs) Should I reveal that? (laughs) No, that's fine. Like it just means that you've got a cool thing in store. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You've got to go to next time. Um, Yeah, so that's one that I've read multiple times. The other one, of course, is I worry about being predictable. Pride and Prejudice. Like if you're feeling a little, a little flat. Pride and Prejudice is like a destination. Are you just go there when you need to be there? Mm -hmm. And again, like like (laughs) the writing, obviously she's, you know, it's Jane Austen, you know, it's a classic. Um, (laughs) But she's so clever and she's so witty. Yeah. And there's just some beautiful turns of phrase. Mm. Um, And the way she is with, I don't reckon when you, I don't think I've ever reread any Austen novel and not, had time give me a different perspective on it yes that's true of any book but it's particularly true of her I think because most people like read her quite young for the first time like maybe in school yeah and so you read it with those young eyes and then if you um go back later as an adult and reread which I advise everyone to do Mm -hmm. you really see it differently yeah absolutely yeah Mm. and I think that's the mark of any great book is that yes depending on what time in your life you read it, you pull something new out of it. You yeah. 
And it's interesting being on social media in this time because I see a lot of bad takes about Pride and Prejudice go around. But, oh. Yeah, some people are like, what's the deal? What are they saying? No, they're just like, Mr. Darcy is overcoming his toxic masculinity. Oh, and I'm like, for goodness. I'm like, yes, I can't but deal with Also, this. it's more than that. And like, you'll read it again in 10 years and you will, yeah. n- you will understand. He is, and that's what the book's that's about. That's the entire <laughs> thing. They Hello. just didn't have the word for it back no. then, but that's what it is. And also, you can't. I get really riled up about this. I know, me too. Context. They all just act like Lizzie is like perfect. She's like, no. The idea is that they both develop. Yeah. They both need to do work. They both need yeah. to overcome their pride and yeah. break, you know, it's there their in the pride. title. It's in the title. There's the clue. Yes. Poor Jane. She's like, my goodness. Do I need to make <laughs> this clearer? Oh. It was probably a publisher that's like, oh, it's a bit ambiguous. <laughs> I just. Oh, I know. So, I but then I get hopeful because I'm like, they're going to reread it and they're going to see. Yeah. They're going to understand. And it's about context as well. You yeah. have to look about when. It it was written and exactly yeah her world that yeah she was living when you realize mr darcy's just a big awkward yes very awkward <laughs> very and awkward. isn't it amazing like, oh, that all of those centuries before mm. there was such a thing as toxic masculinity yeah. <laughs> she essentially pinned it down yeah. and wrote a book about women it. have been dealing with this for a long time <laughs> i don't know it's like i can't i love jane Eyre, but oh that's my other go-to yeah, yeah. Trying to defend that against someone who's viewing it through a modern framework and just saying, yes, by any stretch of the imagination, if there was a man (laughs) who had locked his wife in Well, locked his wife. That is an awkward point. (laughs) We know Mr. Rochester is probably a great idea. Now, bad. But then, I know I have trash taste in men. But, well, that's right. She would have had to go to an asylum. And that would have been horrible. Would have been horribly treated. He kept her. In a nice tower. Yeah. It was probably the kinder of the options available yeah, to absolutely. him. absolutely. Yeah. And also it's just, I don't know, you can't, some things are written at a time and yeah. you yeah. can enjoy them but not if you view them through a modern lens. Absolutely. Mm. Unless you're reading something like Wired Psych SOC, which I completely... Oh, gosh. Yeah, well, that kind of... A lot changed. of people take... I mean, I don't take that as canon, though, because <laughs> no, like, that's, that's one perspective, and it's a really interesting one. Yeah, we it's had to read author. that at uni, and I, I didn't take to it. I don't... I, ta- I like it, in, mm. but I don't view it as connected. No. It's like a riff. It's a, it's yeah. a riff. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so I like it in that way, but I don't by any means... That's not the Rochester that I read when I read Jane Eyre. Yeah, same. But yeah, it's an interesting interesting topic. Yeah, yeah. Because as much as I love revisiting things and, um, you know, picking out things that have become problematic Mm. over time, I love doing that. Mm. I think you can take it to extremes where you just, you're going to deconstruct everything that wasn't written yesterday. Yes, yeah. Time does move on. It does change <laughs> like, yeah. and the world changes and people are often working with what they've got at that point of time. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I um, I was going to say like in terms of that, like the other book that's a bit of a random one that I go to all the time. I can't wait to hear <laughs> this. <laughs> Built it up. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey. No, that's not. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. That's not it. It has its audience. I, that's okay. She really, yeah, she really cleaned up. Um, no, no. Um, in Cold Blood, Truman Capote. Oh, wow. That's my other one. Interesting. I've got that one. So my copy is, there's just, I love writing in books, which you're not supposed to do. Yeah. Um, some people think it's a travesty, but, and it's got post-it notes it's stuck fine. through it and there's it's underlines. Your copy. And I just, I think that is a work of absolute 
genius. I but, tried to read that too young and I just... Oh, I, wow. Like, yeah. Gosh. I was like a teenager and oh, I was like, oh, dear. this is creeping me out. No, so you should have had looking... Out. That's the time yeah. for looking for Ali Brundy. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. It came, it came out this all wrong. Your sister has a lot to answer. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Caitlin, if you're listening, I love you and you're beautiful. <laughs> just know I appreciate you and your your reading habits. Okay. I just wanted to get that out of the way. Out of the way. But again, that's one that he takes something that's... Oh, it's so intense. Yeah. But there's just some beautiful... Um, He's so succinct and the way he paints characters is incredible. That's awesome. I always tell people to read Breakfast at Tiffany's. Obviously, you don't really know the story. No. Oh, my goodness. It's not about Audrey Hepburn eating a croissant. Like, that's not what it's about. (laughs) So much more. And the ending is so much better. So much better. Ran with it. Yeah. There's so and there's so many problems with that film. <sighs> yeah, that's yeah. a prime one I think, to pick apart yeah. justifiably. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I think there's justification. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, <sighs> come so far. From octopus to <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what a great chart. What a, and I love the picks that you like that's like the your anatomy as a reader informing your writing. Yeah, like, that's yeah. probably a fairly yeah. accurate yeah. Well, that could be a series. We could. We'll talk yeah. about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's an idea. Yeah, yeah it is. Write Sorry, that one just down. Some brainstorming session. Yeah. All right. So I think we are running out of time. Okay. Thank you so much, Claire, for coming in. This has been amazing. It has been delightful and informative. I've I learned know. a been lot really about fun. octopods. Octop- octopods. Yeah. <laughs> Actopods. Octopods. <laughs> Octopuses. I don't know I'm going to stick octopuses. with my original. <laughs> octopodes is fun though. Octopi. I just think of pie. So. Yeah, octopus pie. <laughs> no, mm. that's not what you pies. want. Yeah. That could be a picture book. They could anyway, be. <laughs> a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> so again, thank you so much for coming in, Claire. You're very welcome. And for everyone listening at home, you can order your copy of No Place for an Octopus and all of Claire Zorn's books at Booktopia. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Booktopia podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if your eyeballs need a workout, check us out on YouTube at Booktopia TV. And don't forget for all books featured on this episode and all episodes of the Booktopia podcast, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at www.booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening.